So do you remember those two FBI agents who had worked on the Mueller investigation and openly talked about an insurance policy to undo the election in case Trump won? So it turns out the FBI lost all of their text messages from December 2016 all the way up until precisely the day before the Mueller investigation began. Whoops. We'll analyze the seemingly endless, innocent little old coincidences and why the government needs to find the texts or fire Mueller. Then conservative leaders Steve Lonigan and Vincent Buta join the panel of deplorables to discuss whether there's any hope for a DACA deal, what the Turpin House of Horrors means for homeschooling, and the new CNN poll that shows Biden, Bernie, and Oprah all leading Trump in 2020. I wonder if that poll is like all the other CNN polls that had Hillary crushing Trump in 2016. We'll find out. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Before we get started today, just a shameless personal plug. The Oscar nominations are out. I'm not going to talk about them because no one has seen any of the movies that were nominated. I have, I've missed about half of them, and I live in Hollywood and am in this industry. So I'm not going to talk about that. What I will talk about, though, is act, like good culture, actual culture, not these ridiculous movies that no one goes and sees, and then Hollywood gives each other golden statues for it. I mean actual uh, culture that Hollywood can't stop and gatekeepers can't stop. So Andrew Clavin and I have just completed Another Kingdom, which is a narrative podcast. It's fairly innovative. I don't think anything like it has ever come out on the right, if, if at all, if on either side of the uh, philosophical spectrum. And it's a, a great story about a 30-year-old Hollywood schlub who can't get a job in Hollywood. I'm not sure why he would ever cast me. I don't have, I have no idea. And he walks through a portal into another kingdom, and he's in another dimension with damsels and ogres and a bloody dagger and a dead woman at his feet. And we, I know it sounds like Hollywood, but that's actually the other kingdom. Uh, so this uh, has been a 13-part series. It's been a lot of fun. I'm performing all of the roles. Andrew Clavin wrote it. It's called Another Kingdom. Uh, please go check it out. Right now you can binge the whole thing. So if you want to just set it on, you know, you're on a long car ride, you just can play them right in a row. Feel free to do that. We really appreciate it. Leave us a five-star review. That helps us out. A lot of Hollywood production houses and, and studios have called us about it. And then uh, the night before the meeting, they Google Andrew Clavin and then they, the meeting goes terrible. So we want to force it down their throats and put a stick in their eye. So please go do that. That's Another Kingdom. Andrew Clavin's Another Kingdom. You can get it. Anywhere fine narrative podcasts by conservatives in bloody daggered clothing. Anywhere you can download those, that's where you get it. Okay, let's get into some politics. It sure looks like the fix was in in 2016. New documents show a lot of collusion in the 2016 presidential campaign. Not collusion with Trump and Vladimir or Boris or Natasha, but between Democrats and Barack Obama's corrupt administrative agencies. These texts and documents and deleted texts and classified documents are all fairly confusing. So let's go through it carefully and get a broad view because this is what they're counting on. Democrats are counting on this issue being so confusing, so opaque, the timeline is so unclear, it was so long ago that Americans will just throw up their hands and ignore what seems from every indication to be rank corruption. This all begins with two FBI agents, Peter Strzok, and that name, by the way, is spelled Strzok or something. It's got like 15 uh, vowels and, or 15 uh, consonants in it, rather. Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Strzok helped lead the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton's private email server, and he was involved in opening the investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election. He was reassigned off of Mueller's team to HR duty 
when text messages turned up demonstrating him clearly colluding with other FBI officials to sabotage Trump's campaign from within the government. Strzok was the number two official in counterintelligence and the leading Russia expert. He was sleeping with another FBI agent, Lisa Page, because it's Washington, D.C., so of course he was sleeping with this other FBI agent. His girlfriend and co-conspirator, Lisa Page, was also on the Mueller team before returning to the FBI, but she had finished her assignment already before all of these texts came out, so she didn't have the opportunity to be fired. The day after President Trump was elected president, Strzok and Page texted about a secret society within the Department of Justice and the FBI working against Trump, working against the democratically elected president. Those are the exact words, secret society. Here's House Oversight Chairman Trey Gowdy on the recent findings. Well, we need to know a couple of things. Number one, we need to know how the world's premier law enforcement agency managed to lose five months worth of text. And, and what's also troubling is in the text we do have, they're discussing how to avoid text being captured and secured. So. What's missing is important, but, but also what's there is important. It is manifest bias, not just against Trump, but against his kids, against his business interests. There's a text where they hope the Trump hotel fails. That is a level of bias that you rarely see and you never see from law enforcement officers. What's also troubling to me is this text that Johnny Radcliffe found last night about this secret society. Now, I have no clue what that means because that was not the phraseology I used, but it's the day after the election, and it's the same two people that were discussing a little bit later in the text the damage they had done with the Clinton inv investigation and how they could, quote, fix it and make it right. <laughs> that is a level of bias that is stunning uh, among law enforcement officers. Congressman Ron so there may have been a secret society within the DOJ and FBI working against Trump, including Page and Strzok. You'll remember the first text exchange that set off all of these questions about whether the FBI and the DOJ were biased against Trump from the beginning, if this entire investigation into Trump was just a ruse to rout him out of office, if it was funded by Hillary Clinton and the Democrat Party. The first text, which came out in December, was sent in August 2016, in the final months of the 2016 presidential election. Strzok wrote to Page, quote, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration that there's no way he gets elected. But I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before you're 40. It's like an insurance policy. What is it? Is it referring to the investigation into Russian interference? Is it referring to the Obama administration's pretext for spying on the Trump campaign, which we know he did? Uh, what is it? What is the insurance policy? By the way, uh, Andy here refers to Deputy FBI Director Andy McCade. So it, it, it appears whatever political dealings in government uh, they're talking about go all the way up to the uppermost echelons of the FBI. Trump himself called this exchange treason, and he's right. This is an attempt of the bureaucracy to subvert our democratic republic. I had the privilege of speaking to Antonin Scalia about the federal bureaucracy before he died. I said, what's the greatest threat to freedom in America, to the republic? He said, the unaccountable executive agencies, the federal bureaucracies, the greatest threat to liberty. We might be seeing that play out. Strzok's flax insist that the insurance policy reference was meant to convey that the FBI needed to thoroughly and lawfully investigate any improper interference in the election. You know, just do our job very well. 
give me a break. The implication then, if that's the case, the implication is that the FBI typically doesn't do its job. Is that what Strzok is saying? The FBI doesn't normally do its job, so to get the FBI to do its job would be an insurance policy in the unthinking event that the, uh, in the unthinkable event rather, that the American people elect the president of their choice. So even if Strzok's account were credible, and it's not, the implication would be that the FBI is so hopelessly partisan and corrupt that the FBI's following the law and doing its job would be out of the ordinary. But then again, Strzok's account is not credible. Strzok uh, shot back through his attorney who said, quote, it is beyond reckless for the president of the United States to accuse Pete Strzok, a man who has devoted his entire adult life to defending this country of treason. Can we get Ben in to play the violin for this uh, absurd, corrupt hack? Uh, it should surprise no one uh, that the president has both the facts and the law wrong. Is that right, Mr. Strzok? Or rather, it, Mr. Strzok's lawyer, because Mr. Strzok won't say anything on record because he was caught red-handed conspiring with uh, uh, the Democrats to overturn an American presidential election. Strzok, by the way, has retained all-star lawyer David Boies, that's uh, Harvey Weinstein's lawyer. It's one of the most expensive lawyers in D.C. Interesting that he would be able to retain someone so expensive on an FBI salary. Because, you know, he gave his whole life just to serve his country. He's just a faithful public servant, isn't he? But somehow he can afford the most expensive lawyer in the country to defend him against this, uh, these charges of corruption, gross corruption, subverting a, a democratic election. So this guy, uh, the lawyer, is worth pointing. It's worth pointing out he is from the same firm as Karen Dunn, who was slated to become Hillary's White House counsel had she defeated Donald Trump. I just want to point that out. I'm not making any any allegations. Just just pointing out that strange coincidence. So that that's what's reckless. Hmm? Uh, now we have an investigation apparently triggered by a senior FBI official who is desperately opposed to Trump, who refers in a text to his colleague and lover. Same, same colleague slash lover, another senior FBI official, to an insurance policy, a failsafe, to take Trump out in the event the American people actually elect him. An insurance policy that was apparently cooked up in the office of the deputy director of the FBI. Those privately now uncovered text exchanges also strongly imply that former FBI director James Comey was lying when he insisted that he had not decided against charging Hillary Clinton until after he interviewed her. Here's Comey. Uh, did you make the decision not to recommend criminal charges relating to classified information before or after Hillary Clinton was interviewed by the FBI on July the 2nd? After. All I can do is tell you again, the decision was made after that because I didn't know what was going to happen in that interview. Is that right, James? That's right. Now, you know, someone would uh, lie this brazenly, uh, you know, while testifying be only if he thinks there's no way he's going to get caught. There's no, it's just a little, of course I made the decision afterward. That's just a thing that politicians would say. Unfortunately, here it looks like he got caught. The text suggests otherwise, uh, other than his testimony. When Obama's attorney general, Loretta Lynch, stated that she would accept whatever recommendation the FBI made regarding the prosecution of Hillary Clinton, Page wrote, quote, this is a purposeful leak following the airplane snafu purposeful leak. Of course, we all knew it was. And the airplane snafu was when Bill Clinton met privately with Loretta Lynch on an airplane, presumably to pressure her to let Hillary off the hook. Maybe he threatened to suicide her if she didn't. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Am I? I don't know. Now, <laughs> who knows what they said? I don't know. I wasn't there. But in any case, Strzok replied, quote, timing looks like hell will appear to be choreographed. Uh, yeah. Yep, it looks choreographed. It's true. I wonder why it looks so choreographed. But then Page replied, quote, Yeah, it's a real profile in courage since she knows 
no charges will be brought. Since Loretta Lynch, Obama's attorney general, knows no charges will be brought. That exchange is from July 1st. Hmm. Uh, Hillary Clinton was interviewed by the FBI on July 2nd. July 1st, July 2nd. I'm no mathematician, but I'm pretty sure July 1st comes before July 2nd, which means we have a text from the day before her interviewing, uh, her interview asserting that everybody, including Loretta Lynch and James Comey, knew at least the day before Hillary's interview that they would never charge her. So it looks like there was collusion after all. Not between Trump and Khrushchev or whatever nonsense they're alleging now, but between Barack Obama's corrupt administration with its various unaccountable bureaucratic agencies and the Hillary Clinton campaign for president. In light of all of this and calls from senior members of both parties, including Senate, Majority Le or Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer to fire James Comey, Trump fired James Comey. F uh, James Comey was uh, let go, uh, uh, for which he is now being investigated for obstruction of justice. And now Trump summed this up well to the Wall Street Journal. He said, of course there was no obstruction. There was no crime. They make up a crime and the crime doesn't exist. And then they say obstruction. Everybody wanted Comey fired. I should be given credit for having great insight. Absolutely right. Also pretty funny, but also right. Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein, ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, has admitted they have no evidence of collusion between Trump and Putin or Stalin or Brezhnev or whatever. All-star Democrat Flack Van Jones admits what? What's going to happen this week? I mean, with the whole Russia thing. Uh, the Russia thing is just a big nothing burger. Really? Mm. That's right. That's right. The Russia thing is just a big nothing burger. Even one of the most prominent Democrat messengers in the country admits it's a big nothing burger. But that's why corrupt Democrats and their counterparts in the U.S. government, bureaucrats so convinced they can run our lives better than we can run them ourselves, uh, that they would subvert a free and fair election. That's why they needed an insurance policy. So now, how about the cherry on top? What's the cherry on top of the nothing burger? Or of the nothing burger Sunday? I'm mixing metaphors, aren't I? Whatever. The DOJ has just announced five months worth of text exchanges between Strzok and Page, upwards of 50,000 text messages between December 14th, 2016 and May 17th, 2017, the day before Mueller was appointed special counsel. One day before Mueller was appointed special counsel, those texts have just gone missing. First of all, for, before we get into the meat of this, what self-respecting man exchanges 50,000 text messages with his girlfriend? I text sweet little Elisa once every 10 days at most, and then it is only to comment on how delicious whatever lunch she made for me that day is. Uh, but then sweet little Elisa and I aren't colluding to undo a presidential election, so I guess we have a lot less to text about. And now the texts are all gone. Whoops, whoops, what are the odds? What a coincidence. The, t the text messages between two FBI agents who openly boast about trying to sabotage the democratically elected president and overturn the election, they all just went missing from the transition period through the appointment of the special counsel whose investigation they both worked on. Here is how the DOJ explained it. They said, quote, the department wants to bring to your attention that the FBI's technical system for retaining text messages sent and received on FBI mobile devices failed to preserve text messages for Mr. Strzok and Ms. Page from December 14th to approximately May 17th. Oops. Well, what can you do? What can you do? Sometimes, look, sometimes a technical glitch erases five crucial months of evidence central to the most important issue being investigated by a federal agency, right? Isn't that just what happens? 
The devices just didn't sync. A new version of WhatsApp probably just updated. It happens. By the way, by the way, none of that explains why the texts aren't still on the devices themselves. So they're alleging the messages didn't back up to the cloud or the federal cloud or, or whatever. Okay, why aren't the messages still on the devices? Did the FBI sell the phones on Fiverr for 50 bucks a pop or something like that? The department wants to bring to your attention that the FBI's system of selling old bureau devices on Craigslist to help pay for the Pixel 2 failed to preserve text messages for Mr. Strzok and Ms. Page. Got it. By the way, by the way, during the time of the supposed glitch, a few important things happened. This is just the glitch when all the texts went away. Just a few things happened in that period. Um, uh, oh, and Mr. Strzok, they might have been texting each other about these things. Uh, the, the publication of the totally unproven anti-Trump Fusion GPS dossier funded by Hillary Clinton and the DNC that may have been used as pretext to kick off the whole investigation of Trump and Russia. That happened. Uh, you know, Democrats possibly bankrolling a government witch hunt of their political opponents. On January 20th, also in that time frame, Trump was sworn into office. On January 24th, Strzok interviewed former Trump advisor Michael Flynn. On March 2nd, Jeff Sessions recused himself from any investigations involving the campaign in Russia. On March 4th, Trump predicted, correctly it turns out, that Barack Obama used the government to spy on his campaign. On May 9th, Trump fired James Comey at the encouragement of virtually every politician in the U.S. on both sides of the aisle. And on May 17th, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein appointed Robert Mueller special counsel to investigate Trump. The FBI only lost text messages from those months. Fox News asked the FBI on Monday whether they had failed to preserve text message records on similar devices belonging to other officials during that time period, because the FBI had blamed the Samsung Galaxy 5 for failing to sync. And I will tell you something, as the former owner of a Samsung Galaxy 5 phone, that is the only credible claim that the FBI has made during this entire ordeal. That phone is just a piece of trash. Half the time it doesn't make phone calls. Uh, it, the GPS feature when you're driving, it'll just tell you what you should have done. So you're like two blocks after you miss the turn, it says you should have turned. Anyway, Fox News asked if the FBI had lost text messages from similar devices belonging to other agents at that time. And wouldn't you know, the FBI had no comment on the matter. So there goes that excuse. One has to assume that if the FBI had lost other text messages from similar devices during that time, they would have taken out a front page ad in the New York Times to try to slow down the avalanche of corruption allegations. But nope, no comment. So here's the deal. I haven't been one of the Republicans or conservatives calling on Trump to fire Mueller. Even though Mueller is friends with Comey, even though Mueller appears to have staffed his investigation with anti-Trump operatives, even though the original Russia investigation itself may have been triggered by Democrat money, I still urged caution. Let it play out. Don't interfere. This is a bridge too far. The missing text messages is a bridge too far. I'm not even impugning Mueller's personal reputation here, his personal integrity. I don't know if he's a hack or if he's a stand-up guy. I don't care. This is a bridge too far. The FBI, the DOJ, Bob Mueller, they don't need to find these text messages. I don't even care. In the spirit of reconciliation, they can just call off the investigation, which has been a partisan witch hunt from the beginning and which we're seeing more clearly every day. But that's the choice. Find the texts or fire Mueller. As Hillary Clinton ironically pointed out, refusing to accept the results of a presidential election is a direct threat to our democracy. We can't tolerate this flagrant threat any longer. Okay, let's get into our panel. We have got a good panel today. We've got former mayor of Bogota, New Jersey, and all-around conservative leader Steve Lonigan and Vincent Buta from Live from Studio 6B. But before we talk to them, I have to talk about something much more important than any of that. Our government or our great panel today or 
the Another Kingdom, I've got to talk about Da Vinci. Da Vinci, another sponsor that helps us keep the lights on and Covfefe in our cup. We appreciate them very much. And Da Vinci is a really great service. So uh, Da Vinci offers incredibly affordable meeting rooms in well-known office locations in every city. If you're like me and you're traveling and you've got to get some business done, usually you'll just duck into some coffee shop where the internet isn't that great and there are people yelling bizarre things all around you and uh, you'll try to take a conference call in there and it'll, you'll just sound very unprofessional. And then the thing will cut out and then you have to sign up for internet, blah, blah, blah. It's no, it's no fun. Um, right now, uh, DaVinci has a solution to this. It's You can find the perfect meeting room for face-to-face -face business meetings. It's as easy as search, book, and uh, meet. Search, book, meet. There's nothing else. You don't need to, you know, uh, give up hours and hours of your life to make this happen. It's search, book, meet. So whether you need a day office or a conference room, a boardroom or a training space, you just need a room. Da Vinci has the right room for you when you need it. Like for me, uh, obviously we broadcast from the broom closet of the Ben Shapiro show, and sometimes you need a little bit more space so you can use Da Vinci to have a little more breathing room and you're not just sitting you know, nose to nose with somebody else. So let's say you're based in Phoenix, but you need to meet customers face to face in New York or LA or Omaha. Skip the coffee shop, go to a Da Vinci meeting room instead. Search book, meet. It's super easy. From day offices to conference rooms, DaVinci uh, gives you instant access to over 5,000 affordable meeting rooms in well-known office locations in every city. You might think, well, they'll have this in New York and LA or something. This thing is everywhere. So search, book, and meet. Uh, your DaVinci meeting room comes with high-speed internet and all the presentation tools to make your next meeting a success. Now, how much would you pay for this? A gazillion dollars? I would pay, I would pay Marshall's annual salary if I could, which isn't saying a ton necessarily. Obviously, he makes about the same as I do here, which is scraps. Uh, but uh, what would you give to have this opportunity? It's just 10 bucks. 10 bucks an hour. That is nothing. If I go to a coffee shop and get a latte, I'll probably pay more than that to have a meeting space, which isn't nearly as useful. Remember these three words. Three words I'm going to tell you. Search, book, meet. So if you go to DaVinci.com, I'm sorry, DaVinciMeet.com, DaVinci, D-A-V-I-N-C-I, Meet, M-E-E-T.com slash Covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, for a limited time, you will get 50% off your first purchase. Uh, that's DaVinciMeet.com slash Covfefe. Terms and conditions apply. Don't they always? Don't they to everything in life? Go to davincimeet.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. You will not regret it. It is a great solution. Marshall, what's that address? davincimeet.com slash covfefe. Slash covfefe. Do it. Do it now. Gentlemen. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. I've got Steve Lonigan and Vincent Buta here. All I, I thought we'd at least get through one topic first. But Marshall, that tyrant, that sadist, is telling me that if you are not on dailywire.com, you can't see it. Sorry, folks. So you got to go to dailywire.com right now. Why is that? Well, if you sign up, it's just 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You'll get me, you'll get the Andrew Klavan Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get no ads on the website, you get the conversation, you can ask me anything you want, that's going to be coming up soon, blah, 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 who cares? You get this. Look, folks, when the rank corruption of the Obama administration, the, the infection of all of these federal agencies, all of the texts, all of the insurance policies come out, you are going to be drowning in leftist tears, and you need an insurance policy. You need an insurance policy. Don't let it happen to you. Don't protect your family and yourself and your home. Get the leftist tears tumbler. You can have them all salty and delicious all the time, uh, either hot or cold. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back.
Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Vincent, you've been here before. Steve Lonigan, your first time here. Steve, for, for those of yeah, you who don't know you, Steve is this uh, great figure in the conservative movement and the Republican Party, former mayor in New Jersey. I, I think, did you climb a mountain or something? Did I read that somewhere? Yeah, I did Kilimanjaro <laughs> two years ago. Uh, by the way, Mike, I'm also a client of Da Vinci. I've used their office space many times, your sponsor. Have you? Yeah, all right. We've got a, we've got a panel endorsement. Delphia, all over the place, yep. Wonderful, yeah, that, I, I think it's a great opportunity. I got a broadcast from New York uh, later in the spring, and we're, we're certainly gonna be using those guys. So, okay, so we've got a former uh, mayor, all around great conservative activist, <laughs> climbed Kilimanjaro, you know, just a little thing. Uh, so you've got a-, a Little mountain. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, you've got this broad array of experiences. Um, from your meanderings around politics and uh, the conservative movement, does Trump need to fire Mueller? Is the Russia investigation too tainted with partisan machinations at this point? Well, I, mean, I think it's very partisan, but I think the first thing that happens has to happen is Jeff Sessions should unrecuse himself, and the DOJ should take a much more hands-on approach to this investigation because, you know, these missing e these missing text messages are equivalent to the Watergate tapes, in my opinion. I think they're going to be very unveiling. The reason there were so many texts is because obviously they were planning something, planning something big. You know, I have long uh, been loath to criticize the Trump administration. I think everything that people freak out about is nothing. It's a nothing burger, to quote Van Jones, the tweets and the this and the that. I think that's all fine. The one mistake was uh, Jeff Sessions recusing himself. I felt that was such a misstep, so unnecessary. It gave Democrats such un unnecessary leverage. Vincent, what is going to be the outcome of this investigation? You're in New York. You know that you can indict a ham sandwich. Uh, is anything going to come from this? If it were you or I, if it were any individual, we'd be in jail by now, number one. And number two, I agree with Steve. Jeff Sessions needs to wake up here. Uh, you know, you have Rosenstein, who's now, you know, the second in command in handling this, whose hands are all over this. You've got McCabe. You've got Strzok. You have all these guys. Comey. And this, by the way, one of the things that uh, I, I've been thinking about about this entire controversy is these are all connected. The Hillary email campaign and this whole Trump, you know, Barry Trump thing that we're talking about here with the missing 50,000 texts and all of this stuff, they're connected. It's a lot of the same people. Mm -hmm. They couldn't, they saved Hillary, but they couldn't get her elect elected. And when they did, they tried to bury Trump. You know, we need Dianne Feinstein now to step in and get a cold to find those 50,000 right. text messages. Maybe that's the right thing to do. That's absolutely right. You know, you know, Mike, this whole issue that took place between Strzok and, and, and his girlfriend and potentially other FBI agents and substantial people in the FBI, which would be unveiled by this text message, very well could raise the level of treason. If people in the FBI were working actively to undermine the election of the president of the United States, that could very well qualify, as the president said, as treason. So they need to dig in really deep on this. This is way bigger than any phony Russian collusion, which I think we all know now never took place. And, and it is crazy. There was a, a formerly uh, very important leader of the conservative movement. I, I like him personally, so I won't be too mean to him. But he said, uh, when President Trump was elected, he said, between the deep state and the Trump state, I choose the deep state. And that is the worst possible take I can imagine. We're talking about the, the foundations of our republic. We're talking about 
the right to self-government itself and saying that we can run our own lives in our own country better than some little band of self-appointed elites and bureaucrats in a far distant capital. And uh, if we see them flexing their muscles and trying to undercut a, a democratic election, a presidential election, that is a high, high crime. And, you, and I don't think you've overstated it, and I don't think Trump overstated it. Okay, we got to get to the news. Schumer is under fire for losing the government shutdown to Trump. He lost. Schumer sellout was trending on Twitter. Politico admitted Democrats lost. MoveOn.org called it a bad, outrageous deal. Pro-amnesty activists called it political malpractice. The cave heard around the world. Now Schumer is insisting that funding for the border wall is off the table. Steve, this is only a stopgap measure that reopened the government. The government is funded through February 8th. What happens then? It comes roaring back on February 8th, and the whole issue of amnesty is going to be on the table. We're going to, we're going to see where people stand. Because what, what Schumer has succeeded in doing is forcing, apparently, if I'm reading this correctly, a simple up or down vote on DACA. And that's going to make people take a stand. Mm -hmm. It's going to be quite a debate. And actually, I kind of prefer it that way because let's get it over with. Look, the people, the American people want the wall. They want an end to chain migration. They want merit-based merit immigration. They want, uh, they, they want to put an end to the visa or lottery system, whatever you want to call it. This is what the American people want. And this is what Donald Trump is pushing for. And this is what the Republican Congress and Senate need to deliver. If I was in Congress right now, I'd be fighting every day to implement just those policies. But we're going to see what happens by February 8th. Absolutely. The vast majority of Americans, the vast majority, oppose amnesty, even for DACA, even for these people who were brought here at a relatively young age, even for the most sympathetic group of illegal aliens, they oppose amnesty. Only 44% of Democrats support amnesty for the DACA people. For That's of Democrats. Those are the, uh, it, it is a, a clear issue. It's clear to the American people. It's just apparently not clear to squishes and radical Democrats in Congress. Uh, now, to Lindsey Graham. That's right, to Lim Lindsey Gramnesty, <laughs> as even he admitted he is often called. Vincent, if Republicans do nothing uh, by February 8th, then we don't give amnesty to scores of new Democrat voters and non-essential government services remain closed. Is that supposed to be a threat? Is that, is that, that sounds okay to me. What is the incentive to negotiate anything here? Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but this is almost a no-win situation because uh, the American people and Trump's uh, entire, you know, uh, presidency, they need immigration reform. He needs to get immigration reform. Obama couldn't do it with 60 seats and everything that Steve noted. Those are all the things that the American people want. The Democrats, however, have no incentive to do anything other than obstruct Trump and, and make him look bad in this entire process. That is the agenda. That's why the government shut down. That's why they're going back on February 8th and it's going to be a circus again. And I think at the end of the day, we elected Trump to hold the line and be tough here and not cave. And, and I think it's going to be uh, a bit of an impact. And they're nuts. They well, think that their they, own base is further left than even that is. I'm sorry, Steve, go ahead. There's a big issue that's on our side. And we have an election come November, and there's going to be a whole lot of swing state Democrats on the ballot. And they're going to be looking at what their constituents want and looking at these numbers. I think we can get to 60 votes in the Senate to end chain migration, to build that wall, to end the visa system, and, and, and to adopt merit-based immigration because of that simple thing called the American election mm -hmm. system. So those Democrats are going to have their careers on the line, and they know it. 
They know it. If I were a Democrat running either in Congress, running for Congress in a swing state this year, I would be terrified of this because the leaders of the Democrat Party, they think that their base is left of Lenin. They think that their base wants to give amnesty to everybody. They don't. It isn't true among any demographic of the American people, including among Democrats. But that's fine. Let them do it. We're going to run up a bunch of good Republican candidates. Now we have to move on. That's their big miscalculation. Uh, Michael, that's their big miscalculation. Yeah. They are believing in the very, very small fringe of their party. And I think I think they're going to get burned. For mm -hmm. it. Speaking of bizarre small fringes, uh, we've all heard about the Turpin case, that insane couple who starved and tortured their 13 children and shackled them to furniture. Uh, I think they're out here in my state of California, of course. Uh, glorious little old California. Now the media are focusing on one aspect in particular, that the Turpins here uh, were homeschooling their children. Of course, they weren't actually homeschooling them or schooling them in any way at all. But according to the government, they were homeschooling them. So left-wing outlets like The Week uh, have written about the sickening danger of homeschooling. Steve, is this bizarre case evidence that we need more government regulation of homeschooling? Uh, it, it's more evidence that the press should be covering the sickening cases of these abortion clinic houses of horrors that are spread across, all across the country that they seem to forget to talk about. You know, it, homeschooling is just a fantastic aspect of our American society. I'm a major supporter of homeschooling. It's actually sick to tarnish the image of homeschools because of sick people like this, because our society, our system, police, the community, whatever, failed to know that this was going on under their very noses. It is a deeply disturbing thing that took place with this family, something that should never happen again. But it's certainly not the fault of, not the, the fault of homeschoolers, and homeschooling should never be blamed for what took place. Of course. You know, you bring up on that House of Horrors a place like Kermit Gosnell, the worst mass murderer in American history, ran a bloody, yeah. awful abortion clinic, limbs and carcasses and things left all over the place. And, and we don't see them calling for an end to that, by the way. That's right. We don't see them calling to that practice. The, the press wouldn't cover it. They blacked out the whole thing. They wouldn't cover it. And then this one bizarre, savage, torturous couple, uh, now they say we need to end uh, uh, homeschooling. Vincent, at public schools, 17,000 cases of student-on-student -student sexual assault have been reported in a four-year time frame. According to a 2004 Department of Education study, sex abuse of students in schools across the country is 100 times worse than the widely reported on priest sex abuse scandal of the early 2000s. 27% of public school kids in the U.S. attend schools that are gang and drug infected, according to a 2010 national survey. Why are the media so quick to gang up on homeschooling because of one depraved couple, but they're silent on the sorry state of government schools? Yeah, well, that's because the media is clearly just always been in collusion with the left and their government programs. But what they seem to jump on and try to claim that government can solve the problem is when there's one isolated incident, like this terrible story in the Turban House, uh, they jump on that and try to make that a national issue, like, like they need to jump in and do this whole homeschooling government interjection. It's ridiculous. The, this is what's happened with so many issues in this country. Even DACA, you can point to on this, where they just embrace this and turn it into the whole immigration issue. Uh, the stuff going on in the schools and government schools and all that type of stuff, I have to say, if the media were more open-minded to actual journalism, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I try every day to try and find someone who's, be, who's a real journalist out there these days to report fairly on anything, 
And I'm not saying it. And here's just, these are just examples of that. They're not looking at the real issues that they should be investigating and, and talking about these stories. They're bringing things out that get kind of partisan-ish or ideology-ish, you know? And that, that, that drives me crazy. And that conf- it drives everybody crazy, I'm sure. That conflation is well, so insane. Pushing, I'm sorry, Steve, go ahead. But that's about. Steve, do we have you? Yes, I'm right here. Sorry, go ahead. What'd you say? Well, they're pushing a left-wing agenda. I mean, this is a socialist movement. It's been percolating under the surface of this country going back for, for decades, and it's still out there. They've infiltrated the media. They've infiltrated Hollywood. They've infiltrated our bureaucracy, and they continue to push, push, and push a left-wing agenda. And part of that agenda is to undermine the very core principles of Western civilization. And a lot of what you see going here on here is just that, to immediately jump on homeschooling where parents take charge of their children's lives, which is a fundamental human right, um, a fundamental responsibility just shows you where they want to go with this country. That's right. And they're, they always conflate all of these bizarre things. So this one little crazy family in California is now to be conflated with all of homeschooling. Just as Vincent pointed out, they take the DACA people, uh, 25% of whom are illiterate, 50% of whom don't have a really working English, uh, working command of the English language, and they say that if you don't support uh, giving immediate amnesty to these illegal aliens, then you're anti-immigrant or you somehow don't want immigrants in the country. It's ridiculous sleights of hand with the language, and uh, yeah, we should, we should hold them to account for that. Last topic. A new CNN poll shows Biden, Bernie, and Oprah leading Trump in 2020. 57 to 40, 55 to 42, and 51 to 42, respectively. Steve, are these numbers legit? Do we need to fear President Oprah, Winfrey, and die? I, I just remember election night um, and, and watching uh, all the CNN guys, big smiles on their faces. This was going to be the end of Donald Trump. We're going to have President <laughs> by the following morning. I, I, I remember their faces later that night. They were all just, <laughs> it, it, it was absolutely hilarious. These polls mean absolutely nothing. Uh, this economy is booming. The American people are thrilled with the direction this country is going in. You're going to see Republicans keep the House of Representatives come November, end the Senate, and maybe even pick up seats. And I think that very well could happen if things continue to go the way they're going. And you're going to see a second term for President Donald Trump. You also, I will predict, uh, in the next two years, or the second two years of the first Trump term, you're going to see another tax cut bill coming into place, more cuts in regulations, and more economic growth. So CNN can continue their pipe dream. I believe, Michael, that they use these polls to try to influence public opinion ahead of time. Just not going to work. Absolutely right. These polls are just a communication strategy. They're just a regular old Democrat tactic. No reason to believe them. Vincent, the combined age of Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders is 487. Do Democrats have any viable young talent for 2020? It's it's fairly pathetic, right? And we're talking about a CNN poll, and I agree with everything that Steve said. But if the Democrats were smart, and I don't want to give them a tip here, but if they were smart, they'd find a centrist, a candidate in the middle that was younger and stronger and push them forward. Because the direction they're going and the, and the media's ideology, you know, riding with them shotgun, it, it's not the right direction for the country, number one. And I think it's the wrong direction for them as a party. If they were smart, they'd get out of the weeds with, with these these retreads here, Joe Biden and Bernie. I mean, seriously, Oprah. I mean, I can't even take that seriously. Uh, I think there's a better chance of finding the 50,000 lost text messages than uh, than believing that survey, by the way. Uh, well, yeah, but I, I think that that, that entire 
party needs an overhaul and they need to get to the middle if they want any chance. And I don't want to give them that advice. Maybe we need to edit that. We'll, we'll edit that out in post. All right. Thank you. All right, gentlemen, that's our whole show. We're out of time. I'm sorry. I could keep you here all day. Steve Lonigan, Vincent Buda, thank you both for being here. That's our show today. Come back tomorrow. Get your mailbag questions in. We'll be doing the mailbag on Thursday. I am Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow. We'll do it all again. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Overa. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.